Texas talking oh. What was that that you said Texas talking oh. Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys Hi, this is Ben Bradley Jr. here with your weekly Tribcast. I hope you'll all make it out to see the incredible film Spotlight, where the actor John Slattery does his best to impersonate me. Now, here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for the second week of December. I'm joined by CEO and Editor-in-Chief Evan Smith. It's extremely cool that we have the guy from Spotlight. It is a great movie. That's such a great movie. And I wasn't paid to say that. It's a great movie. The, the accents were not sufficiently Boston-y in that movie. I wanted more. He had a pretty good Bradley's Boston accent just good. now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And reporter Patrick Svitek. Hello. How's your accent, Patrick? My Boston accent. <laughs> or his Indiana accent. It's just sort of flat Midwestern. It's Midwestern, yeah. <laughs> Unapologetically no, Midwestern he long enough, he doesn't have the long enough A for it to be a good He's not that far north. Chicago. Get a, little, get a little farther north and get those Chicago long Chicagoland. Did they call it, when you were at Medill, did they call it Chicagoland? We were actually uh, told not to use that, that phrase. Wait, I don't why? know why, what the objection was, but it was, say, the Chicago area. Chicago yeah. area. That's like when you work in Dallas, they <laughs> tell you not to use the term Metroplex. Nobody who lives there would actually call it that. Right, exactly. It's right. just right. outsiders who do that. Okay. All right, well, let's get Later, Patrick, I'll tell you about my time in Morton Grove. <laughs> Speaking of Chicagoland. Morton Grove? Do you oh, so it's a wonderful village. Booming suburb. Gateway to Oki, to Skokie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gateway to Skokie. Exactly. Burt's Pizza. <laughs> yep. All right, let's kick off by <laughs> so talking. nothing to talk about today. Yeah. The worst trip cast. I'm sure Ben Bradley Jr. is thrilled that he took three minutes out of his life to do that intro. Uh, let's kick off by talking about what we'll be keeping Patrick and um, uh, weekend editor-in-chief Evan Smith Hello. busy. Hello. <laughs> I have to keep my SAG card or whatever this it is. This is actually Evan's second weekend on call in a row. I was a is... very good weekend editor this last weekend. I That's thought. what I hear. Well together. Except for those I couple did. hours where you were on the tennis court, you were great. But you know what? Between games, I was texting no, Patrick. No, the texts still were, were coming quickly. <laughs> you yeah, would not I have known it. that I was actually playing <laughs> he was tennis. was texting you about his forehand. Honestly, <laughs> if you'd watch it, you wouldn't have known I was playing tennis. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to Good night, everybody. Yeah, right. uh, all right, and that's the runoff in the Houston mayoral race. Uh, Patrick, tell us what we need to know about this matchup between Sylvester Turner and Bill King. Sure. So, I mean, as was expected, I think the, the runoff became more of a um, runoff about party lines and partisan affiliations, or at least Sylvester Turner, as a lifelong Democrat running in a Democratic-leaning city, has tried to make it more about the more overtly political and partisan differences between him and, and, and Bill King. Even though this is, in theory, not a partisan Exactly, seat. exactly. Not only in theory, well, it is literally nonpartisan. You know. Right. Yeah, they're not, of course. They're not yeah, listed. Yeah. 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 Right. And you know, and Bill King is trying to you know present himself as a an independent. Obviously, you know, if you look at the coalition that he assembled to advance to the runoff, it is a conservative leaning coalition. He's been very uh, uh, vocal about. Uh, issues that people would say are more fiscally conservative. And so, yeah, he certainly is kind of the de facto Republican in that sense. But again, with with Turner trying to box him into this this uh, this territory of being a hardcore Republican or conservative, you know, linking him to Ted Cruz, for example, uh, King is pushing back by presenting himself as more of the, the independent minded candidate. Well, since you brought it up, what is the Ted Cruz factor in this race? I mean, I know that, that Bill King sure. basically came out and said, you know, Cruz supported me, but then he mm -hmm. seemed to Yeah, this back. has been a, a relatively minor storyline mm -hmm. at this point. I mean, it did make it into one TV ad that Sylvester Turner put out, but it all goes back to, I think it was several days before the, f the first election, uh, before the first round 
Um, you know, Bill King tweeted that he saw Ted Cruz at a polling place in Houston voting early for him. Yes, he um, knew he, that he was voting exactly. for him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I guess Cruz revealed to him, according to this account, that uh, he voted for him. Uh, well, Bill King quickly deleted the, the, the tweet. Um, it wasn't an issue during that first round of the election, uh, but then Turner's camp kind of pounced on it when they pivoted to the runoff. And like I said, it eventually made it into a TV ad that kind of um, – presented this uh, Bill King impersonator behind his computer screen fumbling around trying to delete the tweet. Um, Never delete a tweet. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and the whole suggestion there was that by, you know, um, linking himself with uh, Ted Cruz, Bill King is, you know, quote unquote, too extreme for Houston. Um, but that, you know, that has, I think, been just one storyline here in the runoff. I don't know if it's become the storyline. You know what I haven't heard you say in the last uh, two yeah. minutes of, of expert <laughs> analysis? The word bathroom. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I think too extreme for Houston, a city that votes down an mm -hmm. equal rights ordinance. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the questions was how much would Hero, even though it was already defeated, how much would it factor into um, the runoff period here? And I think so far, at least in the mayoral runoff, I don't think it's been a major, major, major issue. I mean, it's come up in different ways. The, the groups on either side of the issue have made a little noise with some advertising and some, some messaging of their own. Um, but I think within the context of King versus Turner, it has not been a... And what's interesting but, then from a mass standpoint, is, sorry, Ross, is... is can Bill King get to where he needs to get to without the rocket booster of, of a hero-like hero mm -hmm. motivation to turn out his people? Because Did people vote for Bill King because they were there already voting for hero? Right. right. And in a smaller turnout runoff, doesn't Bill King need every reason to turn people out? Mm -hmm. Because it, it, Sylvester Turner is not going to get Letitia Van deputed, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we've seen over the last year what happens in these runoffs. Yeah. Well, he is looking right, at Letitia. Yeah. He's looking at what happened to Julian Castro against Phil Hardberger. He's looking at every instance Martinez in which Fisher the person Mendes, who right. finishes first yeah. takes his eye off the ball, thinks, I got this, yeah. and then comes around to run off and gets beat. Yeah. So, you know, we, the theory was that there would somehow be a, a, an effort to use the bathroom ordinance to turn out King voters in a runoff in the same way it did the first time. Yeah. I, I got to think that the Hero Ordinance um, formed a voting block that is still that you're still able to activate. I think Bill King probably is going to try to push those voters out. And some of the people who are pushing the anti-hero vote, you know, Stephen Hotze and mm -hmm. some of those folks are going to be able to press a button and get some residual effect from that. I don't think it, that, I don't, I, I think there may be a, an echo. I, I, I wonder. Uh, I don't I think there are a lot of Sylvester Turner supporters who also voted against Hero. I mean, there was a, a debate between, well, yeah. I mean, there was a Sylvester Turner, uh, Bill King debate last week, I guess, or a couple of weeks ago where they were asked about it. And both candidates said they didn't see the Hero vote, uh, the repeal vote, as a vote for discrimination. Like they were equally, you know, ardent I think about both that. of them want to put it to rest and, you know, even though Bill King could benefit from that coalition showing up again at the polls, I think they really just want to turn the page on it. I mean, I know that probably sounds like spin from their campaigns, but I think that it's such a politically explosive issue um, that they're just trying not to grab it and hold on to it too, too, too closely. There was some discussion last week, Patrick, or earlier this week about the status of this race. Maybe it was in last week. And the King uh, operation, maybe King himself, said, well, our internal poll has us, mm -hmm. what did he say? Yeah, I mean, both camps were claiming that they had polling numbers right, that always. showed that they well, were up several points. What, what was interesting another. to me, though, the King one, I mean, that's what, fine. Mm -hmm. But then the Turner people came back and said, no, 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 our poll has us at 4740. Mm -hmm. And I, my reaction when I think you tweeted this or somehow 
I was motivated to leap from my office and sprint over to your desk. And I said, Bill King has 40 in Sylvester Turner's own poll. This is an actual race. I mean, the idea that the, quote, Republican candidate in the Houston mayor's race would be at 40, according to the Democrats' internal poll, to Mm -hmm. me suggested that Turner is at risk of losing this. Yeah. Well, I think it Wrong. all depends on turnout. I mean, turnout in these runoffs can be atrocious. Right. Uh, you know, the turnout, I think, will end up giving Bill King a boost just because turnout is so terrible in these types yeah. of races. Well, and that's where I think the hero thing may echo. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got an organized right. block that showed up for a vote that was a conservative vote, however you want to read it. I don't think it was a discrimination vote. I think it was a bathroom vote. I think they framed it brilliantly, you know, in terms of winning, um, whether you agree with them or not. But again, the question comes but, back to, but I think in those, the absence of that, can he get enough people out to, to Well, support? but I think that, you know, one of the things that they did when they voted in that election was they made a list and you can get the names of the people who voted in that election and you can compare it to previous Republican uh, primary stuff and you can build a pretty good mailing list and try to activate them for the runoff vote. I mean, it's, you know, pretty standard runoff mechanics. What's your read on this? Who's going to win the election? Because this is the last trip cast before the election. (laughs) Well, I have some reporting to do. Evan Evan loves to just make Don't report. Just recklessly speculate. I'd say Cardinals Cardinals in five games. Come on now. So why did Anise Parker, so Anise Parker finally has endorsed in this race, and she endorsed Sylvester Turner. A, why did she wait so long? I mean, we're almost at the point of a runoff, or, you know, we're there, basically. And B, does her uh, endorsement matter, carry a lot of, of you know, weight well, in I think election? people in one direction or another, is it weight in terms right. of influence mm-hmm. or is it weight in terms of baggage? Yeah, I mean, I think there were some signs that she was, you know, I don't want to say behind, but allied with Turner in the first round of the race in terms of some some of her early involvement in, in his fundraising. Also, I think maybe some, uh, some staff maybe that may be working for him. Um, so I don't know if it was a shock. I mean, of the question, regarding the question, why did she wait so long? I mean, I think she waited until there was a runoff, and this ended up being a runoff in which the least palatable candidate to her was matched. Well, in fact, she her. tweeted during the— It was the, last the, week. She tweeted she during the, the yeah. race, the first round of mm-hmm. this, when everybody was still in. It was a multiple-candidate thing. Basically, I think—I'm going to paraphrase this. I'm okay with the following five candidates. Yeah. So right. she King was not one of them. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, I'm remembering something now. We had Sylvester Turner back at, during the legislative session at the Austin Club, and the mayor's race came up, and I asked him— Vaguely smart-assy question, but I thought still what else? Who could predict? Substantive. (laughs) So, are you running for Anise Parker's third term, or are you running for your own first term? And he looked at me like he'd eaten a bad piece of fish or something. Why did I agree to be on this stage? Well, no, no, but I think not the first guy. But I, I wondered though. It's a little bit like Hillary and Obama. In fact, I may have even referenced this to Sylvester if I'm remembering. Are you Hillary and she's Obama in the sense that you're essentially running to, to continue the legacy of what she did forward? He was not playing on that. I wonder about their relationship and whether they are aligned on the big issues sufficiently to the point that maybe her waiting to endorse him was a reflection of we're not exactly on. I, I think you're overanalyzing. I think she's <laughs> you, you give, think? given these two, yeah, given, these two given these two candidates. It would have been a big surprise had she been on the other side. And she timed— but Would she have preferred Adrian Garcia? You know, maybe. But, you know, it's also smart if you've got two Democrats that you like to stay out of the way until one of them well, that's know, emerges. And, and, and they timed the announcement. I mean, this isn't hard to figure out. They timed the announcement to the beginning of early voting. Get a little bit of a bounce. You know, Anise Parker Unless still has a following. she's a liability. She still has a following in Houston, well, I think. I and, about and especially that. in a low-turnout race. Does that inspire more Bill King people to— 
pop out. You know, I think her numbers are still pretty good. Her hero ordinance died a most ignominious death, but her numbers, personally, I think are probably pretty good. Good, good use of ignominious there, Poindexter. Yeah. Barely say it. Yeah. Nicely done. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of uh, polling numbers, uh, let's look at Ted Cruz's efforts in Iowa. Uh, Patrick, you reported this week that Cruz found himself ahead in the polls for the very first time this week. Is this a poll that we take seriously? As yes. much as we, as it's not one of ours. It's not the UT Texas Tribune poll, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jim Henson. That was Evan. Yeah, so there were two polls that came out on uh, Monday. The first one was the, the really the good news for Cruz. It was a Monmouth University poll that showed him um, taking what was his, his first lead ever in an early voting state poll. He was beating Trump, I think, by five points in Iowa. 19 to 24 or something. Yeah, I think that's yep. the exact margin. Um, and then there was a second poll that came out um, later Monday. It was done by CNN ORC. And um, even though it showed Cruz continuing to, to rise in Iowa, I think up 12 points since maybe a few months ago in that survey, um, he still was a distant second behind Trump. And um, CNN was, you know, in their write-up of their own poll, talked about the difference in methodology between the two surveys. And, you know, while, while you know, my, my you know, layman's takeaway from their explanation, it seems like the Monmouth poll, um, you know, was more of a poll of people who are more likely to show up and participate in the, the Iowa caucuses, caucuses in a traditional kind of like this, election environment. Sort of the slangy version of this is one poll was of voters and the other one was of people who with, who are not voters yeah. but had opinions. Right. I just like your phrase. The, the layman's <laughs> takeaway is like my favorite dish at Long John Silver's. That's, I, I, lo- I love, I love extra, that. Extra that, fries that, and hush puppies. You know yeah. what? All polls suck. The consistent theme for this whole election cycle has been that we don't know anything about who's turning out to vote and that every poll is in its own way, for entertainment purposes only, unreliable. And the only thing that's, that's going to matter is when they vote. fine and good, but I, I do think it's fair to say that Cruz is having some, this, you yeah. know, surge in Iowa. Well, well sh- sure. And you know what? He may very well win uh, Iowa in, in the sure, end here. Yeah. But anybody who thinks that this entire race is not revolving around planet Trump. Every other candidate is to some degree an orbiting a planet itself or a satellite or space junk. Maybe Lindsey Graham is space junk at this point. But they're all orbiting around planet Trump. And all you need to do is to think about what happened last night. Mm-hmm. Guy says something. Monday that, night. Uh, Monday night as we sit here. Guy says something. We should ban all Muslims from entering the U.S., including American citizens right. who are traveling abroad. You can't come back. Maybe he could have banned Johnny Manziel's family back if he built a time machine, and then we would, <laughs> yeah, would have avoided all this problem. Right. But look, look, uh, uh, any other race, any other candidate, any—I mean, the, the rules no longer apply in any way. This whole thing, the gravitational pull of Donald Trump, has completely redefined and upended politics to the point that I frankly don't know what the hell is going to happen. And any poll is interesting for the moment. But I don't think any of us can reasonably say, right, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, regardless of whether you think, you know, Trump is number one or number two or number three in Iowa or whether Cruz is beating Trump in Iowa, I mean, there is evidence that Cruz's numbers have been steadily going up, at least in Iowa and nationally. And that's, you know, that's productive for the narrative. That's productive for media coverage. And it's not just about outsider status, because Ben Carson is no less of an outsider today than he was a few weeks ago. This is entirely about Trump and not about outsiderism. Well, and some of the difference in these two polls has to do with something that I think is actually an interesting question. Is is Trump interesting enough to draw otherwise dormant voters to the polls? 
You know, one of the God, one of, I'm tired of talking about Donald Trump. Well, I know, but he's but he's the leader right now, and he's Get the used only to guy. It, Missy, it's going to be this way for the next <laughs> couple of months. You know, he's been holding. You know, everybody thought this was you know a summer thing, and then they thought it was you know well when voters get serious. You know, now everybody's you know all the serious pundit types are saying you know well maybe after Christmas. And it's like you know Trump's still at the middle of the table. But here's table. the thing, and this gets a, a, a question back to Svitek. Is Cruz going to have to lop this guy's head off, or is he going to be able to assume that others will do the job for him or that Trump will collapse under his own weight? Last night when Trump said we should ban all Muslims from the United States. Right. Cruz created tru- some- Truly an extraordinary statement. Even for Donald Trump. Right? Oh, it's like Hitler-esque. Cruz's response, right. if you scratch below the surface, was actually— Trump. Uh, Cruz's <laughs> Cruz response, if you scratch below the surface, was actually— not all that much of a rebuke. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think it was that. Cruz was surprising. like super light on the rebuke. Yeah, I mean, how yeah. much he created space between them, right? But but you yeah. know, how much? Space oh, I would have been. I would have been shocked if Cruz rebuked Trump for that. But so this is the question. So right. is is Cruz going to go? The route to win is not to take this guy's head off. The route to win is to not not take this guy's head off. I wish we had a video for I think for now because... that's, that's Cruz's strategy. I think mm-hmm. it really is. I mean, I think um, among uh, Cruz's allies and supporters, there is this thinking, as you pointed out earlier, as Ross got at earlier, that his supporters are not going to, you know, are not entirely going to be the type that are going to trek out on a cold winter night in Iowa and stand in a, in a high school gymnasium and be counted. He trumps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the, the God. Every of, one of these rallies <laughs> are like you know jam packed with people. Yeah, they exactly. want to you know let's go see it's the two headed frog. Right. They, they had a great. I wish we had a visual thing because they had a uh, Tom Tolles had a great editorial cartoon in the Washington Post this week, where Trump is up on a high wire and Cruz is on the floor below him with a net says, "Don't worry, if you fall, I'll catch your supporters." It's <laughs> exactly you know that's exactly. So, yeah, the, so yesterday the after. After Trump made the statement about put out the statement about uh, we're going to ban all Muslims, they um, one of the networks, NBC I think, had somebody go along the line of people waiting to get into this rally in South Carolina and said, "You may not have heard this because you were standing in line, but Donald Trump just said that we should ban all Muslims. What do you think?" And everybody in line was like, "Yeah." They were all like, "That's fine." Yeah, when, I, when I, he I, said, I "You know, this isn't going to—I'm going to say something, and it's not going to be PC." They all—the crowd loved it. They ate it up. Yeah, you a, I think you read the statement word for word at the rally in South Carolina, and you got a standing ovation. Do you ever sit back from this race and go, "I don't understand what the hell is going on in the world," and maybe I'm the crazy one? It is—it is bringing the absolute worst Americans out of the woodwork. I'm just going to lay that out there. It is. I mean, these people are showing up in public spaces and T- saying tell us, hateful Tell us things. what you think. I mean, don't, don't hold back. Come on. Well, come on. I mean, look, there is like, you know, there is campaign rhetoric and then there's just hate speech. And we're seeing a ton of it. Yep. But like, does, the fact, does the fact that he said it necessarily doom him? No. no. Oh, absolutely not. No. no. Like I said, well, it's yeah, Laura, Laura, hold Ingram, on, hold Laura on Ingram said today, what you don't understand, tweeted today, something about what you don't understand is that for the people who are engaged with this Republican primary— what he's said in the last 24 hours is not a turnoff. And I kind of think there's some legitimacy to that. I'm still anxious to see and interested to see whether there's a difference between an audience and an electorate and whether whether the people that are going to Trump's things and liking his lines when they're in line, do they vote? Yeah, or, are they just, or are they just there, you know, like you say? And this goes back to these two polls. You know, one of these polls sort of assumed, what if only voters vote? And the other one said, well, you know, what if, He's got a, you know, what if all these people in line 
also vote. So and if that's the case, we're not going to really, literally not going to know until February 1st. We yeah. start seeing some right. votes. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, I think that the cruise. The only poll yeah. that counts. <laughs> I've heard that. Right. Sorry. Well, I because I don't really want to talk about Donald Trump anymore. Can we talk about the lining oh. of Jeb Bush, Bush's coat? Uh, sure. <laughs> Who I really wanted to talk about was Rubio. I mean, can we talk about the relationship between Cruz and Rubio right now and the sort of um, strained? Uh, yeah, the sort of mini attacks on each other, which Cruz, I guess, ca- has called a backhanded compliment every time Rubio, you know, goes sure. after him. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it seems like Rubio's camp has been more aggressive in, in Cruz's camp in, in pl- pushing along this this rivalry. If you recall, I think you know. It all kind of started right after the most recent Republican debate. If you recall, during that, Cruz kind of laid the groundwork for this amnesty attack on, on Rubio, tried to kind of set the trap for Rubio to walk into this conversation about his involvement in immigration reform efforts. And they had a little dust up over that. But then Rubio's camp uh, pushed back, tried to you know paint Cruz himself as inconsistent on, on immigration and, and border security. And then they just went on an all-out offensive multiple fronts going after Cruz on national security, on intelligence programs, on military spending, on uh, inconsistency over whether he wants boots on the ground for some of these these international conflicts. Um, you know, and I think the, the New York Times had a great piece uh, last weekend or this past weekend, I believe, um, that really lays out why this is such an urgent task for the Rubio campaign. And it's that, you know, one of the discussions I think that surrounds Rubio campaign is is what is one of which are the four first early voting states can they win? Mm-hmm. And I think not even among the the Rubio campaign officials, but other campaigns, they realize that if Cruz wins Iowa, which is looking more likely than it has been ever, uh, um, then it's going to be really really hard to stop him. And um, they have if to. Cruz wins. Say that again. If Cruz, Cruz wins, wins Iowa, Iowa, it's going to be hard to stop him. Absolutely. In his path for the nomination. Of course, yeah, because he'll be he'll be strong and he'll be strong in South Carolina. I, I personally think that he will. Won't he have a hard time in New Hampshire? He will have a hard time in New Hampshire, but you have an establishment lane in New Hampshire that is so splintered um, that I think he can easily beat expectations with the the establishment lane duking it out in in. Uh, so right now, as we sit here, Trump is in the lead in practically every single state poll. Of course, yeah. Correct. This this all assumes a. The assumption is <laughs> right. that you have a collapsed air is let out of the Trump balloon. Exactly. Um, if Trump is still leading in all the polls, and somehow Cruz snatches victory from the jaws of defeat in Iowa, does it necessarily change the calculation for the states that are going to come up upon him quickly after that? So Trump hasn't collapsed, but somehow Cruz wins Iowa. Isn't it possible that Trump wins New Hampshire, Trump wins South Carolina, and that the Cruz momentum is slowed by Trump? It could, but I think Cruz could still hang on. He could easily lose New Hampshire, South Carolina, and then you and know, then hit March first. And and, yeah. We actually and overlap some of these states. By the time you get to March first, more than half of the Texans who vote in the primaries will have already voted. They start voting on the sixteenth of February, fifteenth of February, whatever that Tuesday is. Well, and, for, you know, for what it's worth, James Carville has apparently a bet that Ted Cruz is going to be the nominee. And there was a story today in Politico that said that contained that fact, but also contained the fact that the Clinton campaign is looking at. Uh, Trump, Rubio, and Cruz as the three mm-hmm. likeliest nominees, and Seems preparing like for those three. Yeah, yeah, but they, you know, they'll put them on top of the books they prepared on Bush. I mean, you know, you got to wait and see what comes out. Well, of this. I don't think I, there I, is I, anybody who thinks that Jeb Bush is going to be. the I'm nominee just saying right that they've now. already been wrong once, and you know, I, I, I don't, I haven't seen anybody. Son. Nobody in the Republican Party has managed to amass and hold. Thirty percent, and I think the chances of a, of this going to the convention are actually pretty good. Well, theoretically, Trump amassed thirty six percent, if you believe the CNN. Poll and hold, last week. well, hold, hold remains to be seen. 
Well, I do want to talk about uh, Jeb Bush's son and uh, some interesting remarks he made in a fundraising call. Basically, he was quoted on this fundraising call saying there's no better experience than getting involved in a presidential race because you absorb so much more information than, say, running for dog catcher like I did in Texas. And what's what's Brian Burn. Rosenthal of the Houston Chronicle doing on our fundraising call? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But not only any reporter. Yeah, right. That yeah. reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Any, yeah right. uh, I mean, so is I understand that he was, you know, sort of joking here, but isn't that kind of like a screw you to how Texas? Did, how did Brian Rosenthal get on I, that call? I, I, I don't know. I the, don't know. The, the, the whole George P. Bush operation doesn't have a Rosenthal blocker? It's, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, it, this is just a screw up. This is the kind of thing that um, it happens all the time. We misspeak all the time. And if you're on, on the public spotlight like this, if you misspeak a little bit, you get um, snapped for it. You know, I don't think it's a giant thing. I don't think it's going to stick to him forever. But it's the kind of thing that accumulates if you are building your reputation. Everybody starts, you know, at some point whenever they first knew about George P. Bush and started saying, well, there's a new Bush on the scene. What's this guy like? And you, every little thing incrementally builds your reputation. He's trying really hard to build his reputation in positive ways, you know, carrying on with Jerry Patterson's Alamo stuff. He entered the fight over the... Um, changing course of the Red River and whether Texas or Oklahoma gets that land, that's a good political fight. And every one of those helps your reputation a little bit with your with your base voters and with Republicans and maybe even some independents. And then you do something like this and it takes you a step backwards. It's well, not a his, huge his, thing, his, but it's just, a, it's a goof. His brand was his humility. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, again, I agree with Ross, it's not huge, but when you think about, I mean, kind of like political science 101, what are the most damaging gaffes? If you right. want to define gaffes, are the ones that affirm what people are already beginning to already suspect about you. And this is just one little, you and, know, and in this piece respect, of so, yeah, so what, think what's it's a pissant job? Well, so yeah. is, that, is that the thing that the, 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 the suspicion about him was? Well, he's running for this job that he considers to be well, at least among him. Democrats and his right. critics. Because I mean, it it's just a feels stepping that, stone. Yeah, right. And he narrative. basically right. just said it. Yeah. You know? the, the rule so. of deprecation, deprecate yourself and not your job. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and this question of whether, you know, that Brian's written about a lot of whether he should be spending, you know, more time at home and less time on the campaign trail. He basically has now said point blank being on the presidential trail is really important versus this job I actually have this, you know, dog catcher quality job. <laughs> Boy, poor dog catchers. <laughs> you want to speak up for dog catchers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I do think it. it do we plays even still have it. dog catchers? Are there? Dog yeah, we do. They're, yeah. Sure, animal control. Animal control. Yeah. Vermin control. Well, vector have, control. They, they have fancier know. names. I mean, and you know, and I guess a bigger question is in light of how his father is performing right now. I mean, is it is it is it still safe to say that uh, George P has sort of a, a super bright political future or is yeah, it's a brand name about the Bush. It's a brand know, name. If you build a good reputation around it, you know, the first $5 million, you know, we saw that in the land commission race. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were talking about running for land commission, knowing Jerry Patterson was going to run for something else. And the minute Bush got in before he had raised a dime, the fact that Bush was in it, all of a sudden sent everybody scurrying for other offices. The The name is worth the first $5 million worth of name recognition. And as long as he doesn't screw it up, you know, it'll be valuable in the next election he stands for. And yet the politics of the world are changing in such a way that nothing is a certainty. No traditional No, it's an advantage. advantage. It's not a certainty. No traditional right. advantages right. are necessarily the advantages they would have been a generation ago or even a few years ago in politics. Right. You know, he, he's a young guy. Um, you have a new governor, new lieutenant governor who don't expect to go anywhere anytime soon. Right. There are a bunch of other young guys in jobs who have ambitions, and there'll be a bunch of new people who we don't now consider to be 
threats to him who will show up on the scene in the next four to eight years. And when the time comes for him to go do something else, the landscape could look very different. But at a starting point, you'd rather be George Bush than George Simpson. Maybe. Or something else. I think. Uh, yeah, although, as we've said many times, H.W. Bush couldn't get through a primary in Texas right now. I'm not sure that W. Bush could get through a primary in Texas right now. Um, they'd be running um, uh, negative ads with him uh, speaking f- uh, favorably about Islam, the, the uncle. It's better for him in some ways. <laughs> you know? It's better for him in some ways if his, if his dad's not president. You know, he, he doesn't, you know, shadow gone. Right. I mean, at the same time, you have, make it yeah. Wish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have, you have Cruz pretty overtly trying to steer the Republican brand in Texas away from the, the Bush years. I mean, I think one of the most striking comments that I've heard from Cruz throughout this whole race is when he held the, the news conference in Houston at his campaign headquarters to unveil the endorsement of Dan Patrick. And he was asked about whether Texas is still Bush country. And he pretty explicitly responded by saying Texans are ready for something new. And um, I think it was it was an interesting comment, and I think you're going to see more of, of Cruz trying to take a, a leading role in, in turning that page. Uh, well, if you'd like to hear something new from the Tribcast, you can uh, email shit. us <laughs> yeah, your ideas uh, to Tribcast at TexasTribune.org. Uh, you can also sign up for Tribcast alerts at TexasTribune.org slash Tribcast. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan Ross Patrick and our producer Todd, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. By the middle of December, I hate every person on earth. How is that different from like October, because May? I, I,